Welcome to the Inspired Women Podcast. I'm your host, Megan Hall, motivational speaker, full-time psychology student, mama four, and military spouse. On this podcast, I share helpful life tips and real stories from inspirational women. Warning, sometimes we chat about taboo topics and drop some F-bombs. Thank you for tuning in with me today. Enjoy the episode. Hey guys, today I'm here with Ravi. Ravi Tour is a conscious impact strategist, speaker, and podcast host to her show, Lit. And I'm going to link that in the, the show notes. I listen to it. It's awesome. They're like, you just have the best voice for podcasting. And I like listen to it. I'm like, yeah, I got this. Um, so I really, I really have enjoyed those episodes I listened to. Her brand's mission is to help empower ordinary people to reach their full potential, helping create universal harmony, equality, and fairness leading to global impacts, which that speaks to my soul real deep. Um, through personal and professional development, Ravi helps ordinary people accomplish extraordinary things so they may lead, inspire, and transform the world. You're in the right place. Right? right? <laughs> I listen to your podcast, so trust me, I know I'm in the right place. I was like, get me on. I need to talk to her. Right. I mean, and that's, I mean, really all you have to do is listen to the podcast because if you do, you're like, when you fill out the application, you're going to have the right things to say. I can always tell when people don't listen because I'm like, your application is shit. <laughs> it's so true though. I like your process. I love the whole nine yards. And I was like, at least this weeds out. Well, no, you've just defined that it doesn't weed out the people who don't take it seriously or don't respect the process, but at least you can weed those out through the application process. Mm -hmm. It makes I'm a to me to to go through right emotions yeah yeah I asked my community I'm like is there any way I can make this clearer because I keep getting applicants like at least two out of ten who are like I'm like you're coming out I don't did you listen like why no and well, they're like no it's as clear as it can be and yes. they're just ignoring the process <laughs> Exactly. Like I, it's actually really funny. I too, because I, I run a, a podcast, I go through a process as well. You've got to fill out a couple of things. You got to fill out a form. Then we got to quickly have like a 15 minute chat to make sure right. it's legit. And then we go forward. Right. And I, I feel like a lot of people who try to jump onto podcasts have this kind of false sense of maybe identity or ego. I don't know what it is, mm -hmm. but they think it's a waste of time. And it really pisses me off because it's like, yo, this is an opportunity. Yeah. Follow the cues. I mean, what else do you have to do with your life? <laughs> like in my head, I'm, I, I don't want to say I'm doing them a favor, but I mean, this is my space. This is my baby. Like you don't want to take it seriously. Why would I want you to come on and chat with me? Like it is totally a favor. It's opportunity. It's visibility. It's exposure. It's connecting with you. Your show is awesome. It's quite large. You've got a massive community. Yeah let's get real. It's a huge opportunity. And when you look at it like that, no matter what you do, you always yeah. come up on top. Plus Clearly. I want to make sure people like me, like, and like my voice and like my style. Cause you, people get really nervous and they'll email me and be like, what questions are you going to ask? I'm like, did you listen to the podcast? Cause I don't have questions. Like if you listen, you know that I don't have scripted questions. <laughs> like for that's, I mean, that's what I loved. Part of this part of your show and part of what I thrive on is authenticity, right? Mm -hmm. So your entire show, your, your presence, cause I've done my research, Megan, I, I, <laughs> I've creeped on you a little bit, girl, it's but okay. no, 
you, you've got this like authenticity that's that's clear and it's present. And I think that's the huge part. Mm-hmm. Podcasts are meant to be authentic. They're not meant yeah. to be like the Oprah Winfrey show or the, I mean, even her show tends to be sometimes off script, her old show, but bigger shows tend to be scripted. Yeah. And podcasting is a space where you release the status quo, right? Mm-hmm. That's why people are gravitating towards podcasts. And it's an opportunity to be authentic, real. And I think today in this day and age, I don't think, I believe very deeply that that is one of the missing components. And that's why we're oh, yes. all fucking on, you know, filterized pictures on Instagram or Facebook. Oh. Nobody can post shit that is real. And, you know... Like that just irritates me. <laughs> it does me too. It does. I've, I've told my photographers before when they're taking my pictures, I'm like minimal editing. I yeah. want to look like me. I don't want to look like somebody else. If there's double chins, you leave it there. <laughs> like, just leave it. Cause I don't want to look at a picture and be like, that's not me. Like no. that doesn't look like me. Uh-huh. I, I want the laugh lines. I, I mean, I'm in my thirties. They exist. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. I'm in my, I'm 35 getting to say it because I think I'm proud to be it, but I have white hair. Welcome to entrepreneurship. And guess what? I'm like, grow bitch, grow. Come on more. Bring on more. I'm into it. Well, people pay lots of money to have white (laughs) hair nowadays. So you just get to save yourself some money. I'm all about that. All right, let's get into it. People are like, can you stop talking about podcasting already? We're, we're podcasters. We love it. Um, so when you were applying, you were really talking about different adversities you've had to overcome in your lifetime. So I'd love to have you take us back and tell us a little bit about that. Like, you know, because we're definitely going to get into where you are now, but you got to know where you came from to know how you reached here. Because I think a lot of times you know, coaches or I don't know. There's so many different words. <laughs> so many different words. Yes. We just talked about this before we started recording that, you know, they forget that there's like all these steps they had to take to get where they are. And you got to take people through that. Like, cause you can't expect that they're going to reach this level and people can't see cause there's no video, but say like, you can't reach step 10 if you haven't stepped, you know, went through one through nine. So tell us, about that. <laughs> you know, what a really cool time. Like I knew you and I were going to talk about this because I got real on my application. I'm like, hey, you know, let's just see if this happens or not. And my story does scare a lot of people away. Like, oh no, there's a lot here. And it's mine like, too. Right. <laughs> and it's like, yo, that's why I'm here. That's the whole point. But um, it's been a week, a couple of weeks of reflection. I've literally just wrote a feature chapter on my story that's to publish in about a month or so. And so this is all I've been focused on is my story. And so let's take it back, like real back, right? So yeah. born and raised out in um, BC, Canada, in a farmland, right? Born and raised. I'm to- a quarter Canadian. Okay, I, got it. Yeah, my okay. grandfather's Canadian. So okay. I just embrace that. I'm a quarter. <laughs> we love them Canadians, guys. Um, but no, we, uh, so I was born and raised to some, a uh, couple of immigrant uh, parents, right? And mm-hmm. so they came out here from India and started farming. Uh, picked up farming, egg farming, to be very exact, in a small community, a Mormon community, actually. So we were wow. like the oddballs out, right? Very yeah, were. I'm brown, FYI, y'all, like brown <laughs> as it gets. And so, you know, there wasn't very much um, diversity out there. So we had to struggle with a lot of that. But that, you know, 
being in that space, I didn't realize that was going to have such an impact on my life today, that entrepreneurial mm -hmm. part. Um, and then the adversity that started from there, right? And just being able to deal with race and acceptance of everybody, regardless of how diverse they are and so forth, right? That was part of it. And so that, I don't know what it is. I just, I was born with like this protester in me and mm -hmm. this like truth seeker in me. So truth is like very much the cornerstone of my life, right? Mm -hmm. Tattooed on my back, truth is the essence of freedom. Oh, and I like that. Thank I you. I got a few tattoos myself. <laughs> yeah. I, I, I'm a, a big fan of tats, man. I got to tell yeah. you. Me it too. One, two, three, four, five, five. Five. When, when you one. see me in person, you have no idea because they're all strategically hidden. <laughs> for you. Way to stay within constructs. But no, aside from all of that, I, um, so I, I grew up kind of being the humanitarian in the community protesting environmental issues back then in like the late 80s, early 90s. Climate right? change is real, y'all. It's real. real. <laughs> We've been dealing with this for years, like decades, and it, mm -hmm. it's coming to a head. So whatever, we'll talk about that in a bit. Um, and so I had all these different components to me. And then, you know, there came a time, I was eight years old, and unexpectedly obviously these are things are unexpected but i became victim to uh sexual abuse that lasted mm -hmm. for quite some time right and so the abuser doesn't matter the the you know the abuse itself the the details of it doesn't matter um the impact was, does the impact's huge you know what i mean and so i didn't realize um at that time what it was mm -hmm. right i mean you don't really have the capacity you just know yeah. it's something not right and yeah. so being the girl that I was, super strong, growing up in a already kind of um, different kind of a lifestyle, being the brown kid in an all-white school and so forth, right? You just, you don't ruffle feathers. My parents are busy. They're really, they're working hard. You know, it's, it's tough times. And so I kept it quiet for, you know, myriad of reasons, all sorts of reasons, and repressed most of that trauma. Don't know how I did it, but I did it. Same and, here. Mm -hmm. Right? It's just a psychological thing. It's your brain yeah. protecting you. Like, we can't deal with this right now. So let's just put a lid on it, right? Mm -hmm. <clears throat> and so that happened. And I ended up traveling through school and my, you know, my young, young life and teenage life with a bunch of psychological disorders like depression and things like that, um, but not really understanding where they were coming from, yet very, very much a high achiever, right? on the regionals for the right diet. You're right? preaching in the choir here. Right? <laughs> International background program. We got the honor roll. We got the debate team. Politics has always been my life, you know. Yeah. With my dad when I was a kid watching again, I'm gonna age myself, but Brian Mulrooney back when he was prime minister, just Well your prime minister now is hot. Oh God, <laughs> don't get me started. Sunny sunny days, my friend. Don't get me started on that guy. He may be Okay, looking in my eyes, y'all think he's hot. I'm like, I don't know. What's going on? Sorry, Mr. Trudeau, <laughs> but we'll leave it at that. But no, so I, um, you know, I made it through life being able to do well. And then it was grade 10. Grade 10 was kind of where it happened. Now, I found, or I, I met a girl in grade 10 who, for whatever reason, and this happens for a lot of people, right? Like people gravitate to each other Mm -hmm. And you might not understand the commonalities, but you tend to gravitate to people who have emotional commonalities or life commonalities. And she did, and she poured her 
kind of abuse story out to me and what she didn't even understand what is was it was abuse was that was like the trigger right like it just yeah. everything came flying out and I couldn't even deal with it imagine being in grade 10 like mm-hmm. shit oh what do I do with this right so obviously I did what most um most victims do is they they try to cope and mine was with alcohol there was alcohol freely available in my home um and so I would just steal the alcohol you know pour it in my coca-cola at the locker and head into biology and by the time grade 12 rolled around like low GPA, got rejected from every university I applied to. I had this dream of being a corporate lawyer because that's where the money's at. And right. law, lawyer, it's a Brown family's dream. So do it up, right? Lawyer or doctor? I was just going to say our doctor. <laughs> and so I, you know, I, I definitely wasn't going down that path. And so once I kind of stepped back from what was happening, I got myself into a private university it being a a Christian university training Western. Mm -hmm. And that's where my journey kind of started, right? I was still in the addiction phase, but high, a high functioning addict, right? Super secretive, just getting my shit together and and getting on to the next phase. And so that went on for another like a couple of years. And I realized that what I wanted to do was I had started to dive deep into psychology um, and sociology was fire here, right? You're, you're all about it. So you get it. And sociology was kind of like a big thing for me. And I'm, mm-hmm. I'm a big thinker, right? A visionary kind of a deal. And so yeah. I really think about life and I think about people. I think about the world, the planet, humanity, humanity. And I, that's kind of what I focus on as crazy as it sounds, but I think, you know, a lot of us do. And so I realized I wanted to help kids. Like I just wanted to help marginalized kids. Mm-hmm be an advocate for them, empower them, support them, get them through with life skills that are going to help them rise up from their traumas, right? Everything from abuse to rape to, to uh, violent crimes to drug addiction, help them because they are the generation yeah. that replaces us, right? And so I ended up going out to Douglas College and doing these justice worker uh, programs. So it's like a, a combination of psych and criminology all wrapped mm-hmm. into one, right? And so I graduated from there pretty quickly after graduating from there, that high functioning part of addictions totally fell off, right? Like totally fell off, right? (laughs) And so now what I've got is I'm a complete addict. Um, And funny enough, I had actually gone for hard drugs at this point, right? Like very hard. And I didn't even know what hard drugs were like that. You guys got to understand, I grew up with a silver spoon in my mouth you know, conservative, liberal parents, really good home, really good people around me. And then it just like, right. And so now I'm doing hard drugs. Uh, I find myself on the streets, homeless, pretty quick into that. Mm. Um, and not really serving too many kids. There had been some stints that I had done in kind of higher level positions, but it just came crashing down. And for the next few years, I was a full-blown homeless and an addict, couldn't get out of it, right? Couldn't get out of it. And I think it's about the fourth time somebody tried to get me help. And you got to understand one thing about, uh, about trauma is nobody can help you until you're ready yourself to be helped, right? Like yep. there's just nothing, nothing. I'm dealing with that right now with my mom. So I had to completely, we kept going rounds at all the time. And I'm like the person she projects her shit onto. And every couple of years she loses it on me, says hurtful things. And finally, I, this time around, 
you know, after she told me that I ruined her life by being born, I said to my sister, I'm like, I can't do this anymore. I'm like, if she contacts me, I'm going to tell her until she gets help. I can't, I can't be the person that's her punching bag. Because like you said, until that person, and we're talking about my mom is in her fifties. So until that person decides to get help, you can't make them like, it's just not going to happen. But you, I mean, you can't, you don't have to sit by and watch the shit show go down either. It's true. And like a lot of people had to do that with me, right? They had to really release and I respect them for it. I get it. I understand. Right. And even my parents and stuff, they couldn't, they couldn't reach me. There was just no way. And so, you know, I had, I had suicide attempts under my belt. You know, I, I am very blunt. And so I'll say like, there is no way I was going to die. And back then when I was trying to do it and I wasn't dying, it was like, oh my God, like even God doesn't want me back. Like that's how unlucky I am, right? Like, oh man, I'm sorry, whatever I did. Like, I'm sorry, right? And the reality is, is that's not what it is, right? And I'm a big believer in there are no coincidences. Connect the dots of your life, right? And that that is truly the story. And so that fourth time comes around and I realize it's me who needs to create that change. And I can either choose to die on the streets or make a shift. And I, you know, from someone who's had that suicide uh, mindset, yeah, why would you not want to die on the streets, right? Well, there was something inside that was just strong just enough. enough to be. Just enough, right? And so I get myself into rehab. I get myself cleaned up. I do it all in the first attempt. So, you know, one of the things I know about myself is I'm strong-willed. When I put my mind to something, whether it's drugs or cleaning up, I'm going to do it to its fullest extent, right? Like that's just me. And so I ended up cleaning up, uh, getting myself into programs and so forth, and really finding the hope and being the inspiration for others, right? I can remember in my first couple of years of recovery, especially like it, it was always just said, you're just, you're such a beacon of hope. And I'm like, really? Like, how is that possible? <laughs> so whatever. And so I kind of like get back into the field and start working with kids. And now I'm working with, you know, working on advocacy for women who suffered from violent sexual crimes, speaking at marches, being at marches, you know, creating marches, even if there's no march there, like we're going to protest right. shit. <laughs> like it's going to happen. And so everything that I had when I was younger all morphed into my adult life with all the experience. People mm-hmm. are like so embarrassed of their story sometimes. And you got to understand, like I was, I'm, I'm Punjabi, right? And so you don't really know of very many Punjabi folks, let alone women who are recovering addicts, who've been homeless, who didn't become that lawyer, right? <laughs> like there's just none of that stuff there or very, very seldomly do you hear it. And so... I had to go through all of that. And I realized, number one, it's all about mindset. It's how you perceive things, how you see things and the things you talk to say in your head. Right. Yeah. Um, and then the other part is, is having a vision. What do you want? What, you know, getting really intimate with yourself during that time of recovery, I was blessed to get to know myself really well. Right. That high achiever in me, you don't really know yourself in that high achiever state. You just know to do the very next thing. Yep. And so when you get an opportunity to just like chill and figure it out and get real intimate with yourself uh, and your thoughts, things really changed. And that's when I realized, okay, so I want to make change, but the social service sector is just burning me out financially, right? Yeah. So I created a shift. I got a job by luck through a friend 
at a small financial firm, right? Super, super grassroots, um, a startup. And my, my boss at the time just wanted me to be an executive assistant. Well, I mean, I'm really intelligent. So that's not as far as I'm going to go, right? You, you give me a job, I'm going to do it. So although I should have been an executive assistant, he just kept giving me things to do like, Hey, can you build my operations? Hey, can you build my CRM? Hey, can you build my automation? Hey, can you start processing transactions? Hey, can you like, can you, can you, can you, right? And I'm like, bring it on, right? Because I'm just like, I want it all. That created massive burnout on a whole different scale. Yeah. And the, the clear fact was that to, to some degree, I was, you know, in between a business manager slash a chief operating officer being paid lower than an executive assistant and being titled as an executive assistant. And so I was like, this is kind of weird, a little bunk. Right. And so with my counseling background, I knew I wanted to do something with that. Uh, and I wasn't sure what. And then I find myself, you know, sitting in my boss's office, coaching him at one point while his coach is on the phone. Right. She's telling him to go one direction. I'm like, mm, no, actually, please don't do that. You should go this direction. And it was the direction he chose. And that was like the growth, the boom that he needed. Right. And I was like, damn. I'm really good at business. I, my counseling background, I've been able to use on the most toughest individual. And let me tell you, love the guy to death. Some of the stories irritate me, but he was such a like, bro. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. a bro. I was like, okay. Bro, bro. Yeah, come on, bro. And so if I could work with him and get him to shift, get him to see increase in revenue from creating different strategies, mm -hmm. then I could probably do it for somebody else, right? And so I, there were two events that ended that whole scenario. Number one, and I apologize to anybody who gets offended by this, but I don't as well. Um, Y'all elected the 45th president, right? Yeah. And, uh, it's horrific. It's a shit show going down over here. So You're like, I'm glad I'm in Canada because y'all. No, 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 no. Because y'all impact us, right? Like sure. everything has spilled over. We are your friendly neighbor and we do whatever the U.S. does. Well, who knows how long you'll be our friendly neighbor with this shitty person. You I'm know, sorry. I'm sure people listen and they're like, we, I love him. I know people who love him. And I'm like, what drugs are you smoking? Or what drugs are you not smoking? Cause we right. need to talk. <laughs> <laughs> Let's hook you up. Go to Canada. It's legal yeah, there. Yeah. <laughs> But no, you know what? To be really honest with you, I remember the exact day. I went to sleep that night thinking there's no fucking way. And I get it. Like, y'all didn't have the best decisions to make. Like, you had... It was lesser of the two evils. More, yeah. Right? Like, but he, uh, he's not the lesser, man. He's no, just not. No, no. And I don't know what the America would look like with... with Hillary in, I think but she has some experience, you know, and um, she probably ran the White House before because Bill was too busy getting blowjobs. So maybe, maybe. Yeah. yeah, exactly. And so, <laughs> you know, again, I feel like there's no coincidence. And I truly believe that as nasty, let me just use the word nasty, nasty yeah. as it is, right? I, tw Twitter privileges revoked. revoked. Twitter is a private company. They should just revoke that shit. I don't even know why they don't, but yo, he, they, <laughs> algorithms, right? It keeps everything yeah. moving up there. But, exactly. They're making money off this shit. Right? So. <laughs> right? No, but I, I ended up uh, realizing that he, he's the thing. He woke a lot of people up. Mm -hmm. Like, he's crazy as, as it is, he woke a lot of people up and the right people. And so 
that day I go to bed thinking, or that night I go to bed and think, there's just no way. I wake up the next morning, I'm rushed to get to my job, so whatever, I don't even turn on the news. I get into the sky train and I sit down and there's like a paper upside down on the floor. I like pick it up and I remember reading the headlines and I just started crying. Yeah, I'm on the I train. I tried to. Crying. Yeah. And hard. Like, it's like, I mean, I didn't even bother to be like, is anybody looking at me? Because I was like, you should be fucking looking at me. You should be looking at what's in my hand. You should see this, right? And I remember- The guy who said, grab him by the pussy. Grab him and by you know the what? pussy. The way I look at people make mistakes in their past, right? 100%. But what you have to do is you have to take ownership of that and you Absolutely. have to apologize and try to make it better. That's not what he did. He was in complete denial. Like, Absolutely. oh, no big deal. That's just how we talk locker room talk. Dude, seriously? Get a grip. Get, Get yeah, and he's got, had nothing but racist and sexist and xenophobic and all the things, transphobic oh. comments since. Like, right? I, I, there, people are like, but the economy is good. It was good before. He didn't yeah. really make it any better. Like, and but this is okay. It's okay for him to make these comments, and because the economy is going well. Yeah. It's talking? like a straight up dog and pony show. That's really it what is. it is. Yeah. It is such a nightmare. And so I. At that point, going into the office that day, I'm a Canadian, y'all, like Canadian. And so I really have no impact or influence on your election. But as a human being, I just wondered, what the fuck? Where do my responsibilities lay? Like, what am I doing with my life? Like, this is, this is a response to how people are feeling. And that's valid. I don't care who they elected. Well, I do. But I mean, it's a response to what people are feeling. And so that is a problem. Because people are feeling insecure, um, scared. Yep. They're hurting. That you know, there's a reason why he got elected. They thought fear, he was gonna hate. Fear and hate. That's yep. it. Fear that's and hate. It. That's what his election was about. That was that's what he runs on. He wants to stir up these feelings in people that they are fearful for their lives and their safety. I mean, yep. people that I know that live near Canada are worried that immigrants are gonna come up and kill their children. I'm like, are you fucking stupid? They're not even coming up to upstate New York, you fucking... It is such a joke. And you know, it's so funny because people are like, you know, I don't want to talk about politics. That's why I shut off CNN or ABC or whatever news. But it's part, it impacts our lives. Like you said, you're in Canada, but you're our neighbor. It impacts your life too. Absolutely. Like you should see the ads running here and the nasty, it's just nasty, you know Mm -hmm. what I mean? And so that's cool. That that happened in November. And now I've got these real deep questions I have to answer. And I got to face myself in the mirror every single day. So December comes around and I'm like, yo, boss, I need a raise. I need a bonus. And I need, uh, I need benefits. Remember, I've been there five years. I have no benefits. Oh. Um, I'm making below medium average wage. And I'm like, uh, so I'm going to do this. And I'm telling you, it took me like two weeks to prep for this, this request, right? I, I did it in the mirror. I'm going to do this. It's going to happen. Dudes ask for it all the time. My husband, he asks for a raise and they're like, how much? And I'm like, oh yeah, okay. I can do this. Right. Yeah. So I go into this office. I sit down. And I'm like, these are my, my requests. I'm hoping I can get them. And he's like, flat out. No. And I'm like, what the fuck? And so now I'm sitting there telling them, you're probably not going to see me here this time next year. Like, that's probably a reality. And I didn't know that that was actually a firm reality. That was just the asshole in me who's like, you got to do something different. Like, this is not what's going to get you to the goal of changing the world. Because as grandiose as that sounds, y'all, like we individually can change the world. We just don't recognize the power, right? And so- Butterfly effect. 
the ripple effect, the butterfly effect, the effect generally. You get well, you do the things you need to focus on, you connect the dots, you impact others around you, right? Mm -hmm. And so I ended up leaving. I, I bought a digital marketing course that just serendipitously showed up on my newsfeed. Trust me, I was not into that stuff. It just <laughs> happened one day while my mother-in-law was saying something, mother-in-law-y in the hallway, right? <laughs> And I was like, oh my God, I just got rejected. She's still talking. Bye, right? Bye. <laughs> and so from there, it just became a process of learning, preparing, and I ended up leaving. I signed, so I left with kind of a corporate crutch. I decided I was going to do um, coaching and automation, development and design uh, all in one. And so I leave signing my boss as my first client, which was so freaking rad. I was like, yo, I feel real good about life. Right? Yeah. It was really cool. It was surreal for sure. And then as things evolved, I've been in business for a couple of years now. It turns out that, you know, just like you said, people, people evolve. You make mistakes, you make the wrong choices, you make different choices. I mean, it doesn't matter how you label it. The point is you make choices and you evolve from them every single day. And I evolved enough to now be solely working with conscious leaders, right? So basically businesses that have socially um, conscious missions or brands that want to affect not only the world, but also bring in profit profits, right? Like it's right. not just about NGOs and so forth. It's about creating sustainability and then making money because right now that's the construct we're involved in, right? And so until we decide to eliminate it as, as a whole population, that's what we're striving for. And so as soon as I did that, you know, life just changed like very good. Yeah. But again, it's that adversity that teaches you, right? And it's connecting all those dots because had I not had any of that experience in my life, which trust me for a long time, I was like, dude, you failed at life. Right. Me too. <laughs> right. You failed big time. No, once I realized, oh my God, you, you've been in training this whole time. Yo, once that happened, things changed and right. I had so much to offer. Yeah, no, I agree. And we have a podcast episode coming up actually by the time this airs, it will have already happened with Kelly Ruda, who did a similar thing. She shifted her business. She now works with disruptors yes. who are like conscious leaders who are disrupting the status quo. Yeah. And so you'll, I'll link that up in the show notes. You need to listen to that I'm one. I'm totally going to listen to that I one. think you'll love that one. I think uh, I'm going to be calling her up and be like, we need to talk. <laughs> she's awesome. Yeah. And, and I actually, she was the reason I'm like you. So like connecting the dots. Uh, yeah. One of the coaches I worked with, she said it's called following the breadcrumbs. And so I was a fitness coach. And my clients didn't lack accountability, the tools, anything, but their lives are hot mess. And so they couldn't reach their goals. And so I'm like, I want to help women fix, not fix their lives, but help better their lives so they can reach their goals. And so then I became a coach and I was working with all these women and I was drawing these women in who had psychological things going on. Trauma. They had past trauma. Trauma fucks your life up. It does. Trauma is the gateway drug, y'all. It's it not is. drugs. It's that, that trauma. It <laughs> is. I mean, trauma 
is what did they say? 90% of people who are addicts, they had some severe trauma in their life. Um, yeah. They're probably being generous. There's probably a hundred percent. And so these women had trauma in their past and that was holding them back from really thriving. I know one of my clients who's a close friend of mine, I said to her, you got to get a therapist. I'm not qualified to help you, but you're never going to be able to reach the goals that you have if you don't get help with these things that are going on. And she did. And now she's doing amazing and I'm so proud of her, but that made me want to help those women with trauma. Like, because trauma does some crazy ass shit. I've been reading some books on dissociative identity disorder, um, also used to be called multiple personality disorder, and how our brains function with trauma. You were talking about suppression or repression, but sometimes it can split your brain into different alters, that's what they're called, different identities. to protect you. And so trauma, it can, it can do some crazy stuff. So the whole point is I followed those breadcrumbs and now I'm going to school for psychology because whether I become a therapist or a, um, a professor or both is I'm going to be impacting people who are going to be helping with that trauma. Yeah. So that, that I see where you're talking about, you follow these breadcrumbs, but Hey, if I hadn't had my own suicide attempt, um, and my husband hadn't made me go see a therapist, none of this would have happened. You know, yep. I wouldn't have my diagnosis now, none of it. And you have to, and I'm, I'm sharing this so people can see how important it is. You may not know where you're going right now, but if yeah. you follow that, you will eventually get there. Right. And you know, it's a, it's a journey, like it's a process. So <clears throat> for sure, if you're in the thick of it, it sucks. Like there's yeah. nothing you can do about it other than have hope. The more hope you have, the better things, you know, turn out. But if you don't have that, you still got to go through the process. You're going to get to the point where you can create that change. But again, you've got to be present in that decision making, right? And then when you do that and whether that's from trauma or whether that's in creating a shift or a transformation in your life on a lesser uh, scale per se, then you create a ripple effect. Like me cleaning up, me doing the work I do. Do you know how many people in my family I impact, let alone the people around me? Like my tech guy showed up yesterday, right? I got an on-call tech guy, guys. But no, he shows up <laughs> yesterday. <laughs> Thank you very much, guys. And he's he's hanging out fixing something. He's like, you know, I'm, I listen to your show. And I'm like, you listen to Lit? He's like, yeah. And I'm just like blown away. You right. listen to Lit? Thanks, man. He's like, what you're doing is incredible. Keep doing the work. And I'm like, oh my God, this is exactly, this is what I wanted. Mm-hmm. Like, I don't need to be some massive person. I don't care for that. I just want to help people. That's all I want to do. It's pretty evident when you start to read, listen, you know, follow me or whatever. That's all I want to do. And I'd love to eliminate currency period. Things would be grand. Right. Right. But him then telling me things like, you know, I introduce meditation my morning and night. Mm -hmm. I do gratitude every day. I've been doing it for a month. It's changed so many things. Those small pieces are huge in his life. It's impacting people around him. He's telling people to do the same or go and listen to lit or whatever. Right. And you and I, I mean, look at you and I too. You and I connected because I was like, yo, that message is dope. That's exactly what I want to talk about. Or that's the type of person I want to talk to. And now I'm listening or I'm talking to your audience and you and I are talking about some real heavy, deep shit that most people don't talk about because also not talk about that topic. But you have to, because otherwise we feel alone and we feel like 
I'm the only person that's gone through this. But when you listen to podcasts like mine and like yours, and you hear this stuff, you're like, oh shit, I'm not alone. And if this person got through what they did, I can get through it too. Maybe not today, but I will reach that point too. So true. And that, you know, it goes back to the piece that I didn't tell the audience uh, probably because I forgot because I'm like into conversation with you. But yeah. the reality is, is once I cleaned up, I'm sitting on Facebook and I see a picture of my abuser and a, girl, a young girl around him, right? Oh, and I lost it. And oh, I'm like, yeah. this secret that I've been trying to keep in to protect myself, it doesn't work. This is my story. This is the truth. And yeah. now I can choose to stay quiet and she'll probably suffer the same fate. Or yeah. I can be real and say, you know what? Your life means something. So I'm going to go and say it. And so I ended up taking him to court 21 years later, right? Yeah. Well, Canada's laws are different than here. <laughs> but it is. But the social, social justice system is absolutely yeah. broken. I could never take my rapist to court because it, it, it happened in Florida and the statute of limitations has been met. I can't ever take him. Yeah. And I'm like, what if my rapist uh, was running for a big office? And, you know, because people were like, why did... Um, oh, the... Kavanaugh, yeah. Why did she come forward? Because if your rapist is running for a, a, the, one of the highest office in your country, why wouldn't you step forward and Absolutely. be like, listen up like this? And you know what? In that situation, again, people make mistakes. I don't know what the details were. I wasn't there. But all he needed to say was, I'm sorry that happened exactly. to you. Um, I don't recall <laughs> being there, but something obviously happened to you. And I'm really sorry that did. Yeah. And but that motherfucker just had a whole freaking tantrum. Yeah. On yeah. like that's all you had to do, man. And you know what? That probably would have meant the world to her. But probably. instead, you know, now she's getting death threats. She's had to move multiple times. Like all this because you are a little shit and couldn't just own up to the fact that yeah, I used to drink my face off and I probably made some fucking mistakes. And I'm really sorry that happened. Well, and it's that accountability piece, right? Because honestly, had he, I was just looking for an apology, but also for him to take ownership so that he could go and get the help he needed. Exactly. So that it didn't happen, right? And so when you take accountability, for example, me taking accountability for 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 keeping for keeping my silence, right? That's gonna yeah. impact someone else. Mm -hmm. Me taking accountability for my drug use, that was my fault. I don't care if I was abused or not. I mean, at the end of the day, I chose those coping methods, right? I didn't know yeah. any better technically speaking, but at the same time I did, right? I could have taken different steps. I'm not going to beat myself up for it. I mean, I did at, at a certain point yeah. in my life, but once you get real with yourself and realize that you don't have to be filtered, you, you can be real. And all you've got to do is take accountability, apologize or grow from that moment, seek help that you need, whatever that looks like. If you're the victim, if you're the abuser, whatever the case, you know, you're, you've stolen some fucking candy, take some fucking accountability right. because you're going to grow, grow, grow from that. And the reality is, is when I did, when I did that court proceeding, I mean, he was acquitted and but here's the deal. Here's the deal. Because these kind of historic cases become a he said, she said. There's no real evidence, right? right? Back it up. It was like I left a mark, not a stain, mm -hmm. a mark in everybody who was in that gallery, everybody who was in that courtroom. I left a mark on, you know, in their lives. And that was kind of the turning point for me in terms of, okay, I've just released it all. 
And now I'm going to go and take back life. And at this time I was working in that corporate job, right? Like Mm -hmm. that's where I was. So life was good, right? Things were stable. It's just, I had a responsibility and there's a big component there about responsibility. Most people think, okay, well, you know, that's not really my job. That's the other person's job. I'll just, I'll just leave it. And I'm telling you guys, the nuances in the story today, I know they've got to be hitting you guys a little bit harder because it's real. You take ownership, you take responsibility. If you've got, if you feel shitty today, take ownership for that. What's going on for you? How do you change that? Because when you walk out of your house, when you meet your spouse or your kid and you lash out or whatever the fuck it is, or you go to that corner store and you're just all grumpy and bitchy to the corner store and tendee, that's going to impact every single one of their lives. Mm -hmm. They're going to go and do it again and again and again. And that's how hate, fear, trauma, all of that continues, right? If we come from a place where we love ourselves, we take ownership, we do good, and we create change within ourselves, and then we take a moral responsibility towards what's going on in our world, shit can change like pretty quickly. And I'm not even joking about that. I want people to really take away like what you said, and I say this a lot too, you have to take ownership of your shit. That's going to be, that should just be my tagline. Take ownership of your shit. Just take ownership of your shit. Try to remedy the situation if you can. Maybe you can't. Maybe that person does not want to hear it, does not want to hear from you. They don't want to. That's not on you. It's on you to do the right thing and then get the help you need. Because if you have abused somebody, if you have um, projected your shit onto somebody else, if, if you have done any shitty things in your life, there's not an excuse, but there's a reason behind that. Sometimes that's some deep healing we have to do. I mean, I will tell you, I was not the best person in the world in my early twenties, like even the beginning of my marriage. And it's taken a lot of work on me and a lot of trying to remedy the situation to say, now I'm a much better person. And I know when I need to get the help and I know when I am projecting on others, but I couldn't get there without doing that first. And, and that's what I really want to let people know and, and, and take away from this conversation is you can't just slide through life and be like, Oh no, that's the, the past is the past. I didn't do anything. I can't go back. You have to heal that. If you don't heal that, you're just going to keep making the same mistakes. You'll be like my mom who 33 years later thinks I ruined her life by being born. I'm like, man, you know, that's a lot to put on somebody. You had choices here. You had choices. You could have changed at any point in time. She still has choices. She's still alive, but she doesn't take that. No. And you know what? To be honest with you, you don't even need to go through, like my whole thing is at this stage in life, everybody's been traumatized. Yeah. No, I agree. You know, like you've got the, you, you know, whether you have watched things on the news, whether you've been on the block and people have like threatened you or whatever, whether you're, it doesn't, it really doesn't fucking matter. People are traumatized today because there's so much sensory shit coming at everybody. Plus there's a lot of trauma, unresolved trauma already out there. So it's just kind of like compounding and compounding. So it doesn't matter what your trauma is. It matters, but it doesn't matter. It matters for it to be healed and worked on and for you to create that transformation. But the actual type of trauma doesn't matter, yo. I'm telling you, it really doesn't because what that's done for you on the inside, you don't even know that that's like a diamond inside waiting to be shined up, right? And for me, I look at it and I'm like, okay, connecting the dots. It is such a trip. I literally went to sleep last night and I was like, baby, 
to my husband, my, my loving husband, Ryan, we're just going to give him a shout out on here. But I was like, baby, like who would have known that I would have some impact on the American election system or however you want to call it without giving away too much anonymity. You know, I'm working with individuals who are, you know, trying to make impact in the political shit up, shaking shit up. And it is (laughs) coolest fucking thing because I was that young girl sitting at the kitchen table bitching at the Canadian prime minister with my dad zero clue of like what that meant in my life sitting on political debate teams taking psych in school going through trauma realizing the real pain of real people and now after all the shit I've been through I'm like yo I want to focus on morally and ethically responsible causes and people and missions and I'm consciously helping other conscious leaders create impact strategies that are going to shake the shit up for people. And it's like that, that to me was a huge realization last night, go to sleep. Like this is so dope, you know? And that's when, you know, you've, I'd say you've arrived, but I don't think so. I think it's just beginning. You know what I mean? Yeah. So connect the fucking dots because you have something, your story means so much to somebody else. People stay in silence so much. Mm-hmm. Pretend like nothing's happening. Stay conservative for whatever reasons. And the reality is stories are meant to teach. Stories mm-hmm. are meant to heal. We have kind of developed this socially constructed world, accepted it. But the reality is, is y'all living paycheck to paycheck. Everybody who's suffering at the job that they hate, trying to put one face on during the morning and afternoon and come back and you're a totally different face. Like, do you know how many times I was told not to talk about politics with my- Oh, all the time. I'm told that all the time. Conservative clients, like they got money. Don't talk about that shit. And I'm like, oh, right. Yeah. Okay. So let me drop the bomb anyways. You know what I mean? Like, be real. I get told all the time, maybe you shouldn't post so openly on Facebook about your opinions. Yesterday, 4th of July, I was like, two things I want you to remember. One is I want you to remember of the men and women who give their time and their lives for your freedom. Two, you have to understand there are people in the United States that don't have the same freedoms. There's kids in cages that aren't getting their basic needs met. And yes, they're not United States citizens, but they're in the United States. And like two, we still have so much discrimination in this country. There are people of all types you know, all types of sexual orientations, races, you know, uh, gender identities who are being discriminated upon on a daily basis that don't have the same freedoms as somebody like me, who is a white, cisgendered, heterosexual, married woman. You know, my husband serves in the military. Like, I got nothing. I mean, I don't get the only discrimination I ever experience is on mental illness. That's basically it. But there's other people who can't say that in this country because they are having to deal with on a daily basis these racist, homophobic, sexist motherfuckers who just can't pull their heads out of their asses. So we have to, and I said that, and I did not get a whole bunch of people that were liking that shit. (laughs) No, and you know what's really funny is what we see in algorithm more and more and more is hate, right? The more people hate things, the the more, I mean, the algorithm's built like that, right? Who's everybody's glued to social. I mean, my mom's sending me videos on WhatsApp every fucking day. You know what I mean? Like everybody's on social now. It doesn't matter who you are. And the reality is, is the system is built as such to continue to provoke and repeat hate 
on right. speed dial. And the so, more reactions it gets, the more it goes. Right? And the more like angry faces and like, fuck that, that's terrible. Yo, that's going to go up there. And so why not spread some love and positivity? What mm -hmm. the fuck is wrong with that? Like, and you know what? Your neighbor, you, me, we can all fucking use it. We can all yeah. use some happiness in our life. And that's the key, right? The whole thing is, is everybody's trying to get to happiness, mm -hmm. but there's so much like baggage there that needs to be worked on. And so what I always say is it starts with you. You have to do the work. You have to take the responsibility. I'm sorry, love, but that's how it is. And you have to do it. And I wouldn't be preaching it if I didn't do it. And I can tell you, guarantee you a hundred percent on the other side of that work is massive transformations you would not even be able to start to imagine today like zero ability to imagine today yes i love that yes <laughs> so as we wrap up the podcast today what is something or a collection of some things that you'd like to leave the inspired women audience with we have talked about some shit i'll probably lose some followers which is great i always feel like when when I no, I, I love it because like my numbers don't increase by like a lot. And I'm like, that's because I get new listeners, but then some drop off because I say something that's offensive to them. I'm like, I'm doing my job here. Yay. Yeah, yeah man. <laughs> I love it. I do. It just, it cracks me up every time I get, I got a three-star review. They didn't say why, but I'm like, I pissed somebody off. <laughs> yeah, I did. <laughs> and I love it. <clears throat> I love it. You know? For me, I guess what I would leave your listeners with, and it speaks to what you're talking about right now, is truth is the essence of freedom. Like legit. Truth will set you free from everything. And a lot of what's happening is your brain upstairs, your subconscious is playing back memories and shit on repeat that don't serve you today, right? That aren't truths, right? And the more that you shove down your deepest desires, the more you shove down the fact that, yeah, you really want happiness, the more you shove down that okay, maybe I don't like that, that thing I'm seeing on the news, but because my family is all like, because my family's all, you know, a certain affiliation, I'm just not going to open my mouth. I've had people right. say that to me. Yo. Well, I like, I know. well, I can't really say anything because like the rest of my family's like, and I'm like, oh my fucking God. How are you going to change their minds? Not change their minds. How are you going to shift their beliefs if you don't share? Like you know? if, if you, so I've had family, I've just to, to interject here, I've had people that I've seen some really um, judgmental mental illnesses post like back before I was very open about this. But yeah. now hearing my story and being like, that's somebody I love, know, and trust who has a mental illness. Maybe I was wrong. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah absolutely. And I just, you, you just hit the nail on the head because when you have truth, as your moral compass uh, point, right, or your guide, and then you've got happiness as your key and responsibility as the thing that's going to help you navigate as well. You just you become free, and you become that leader. Like that's my whole thing. When you focus on yourself, as counterintuitive as it seems, when you focus on yourself, like I'm not saying be egotistical and shit. When you focus and work on yourself, create that healing follow that path, go after that dream, seek happiness and freedom and truth. You are a leader and you create a ripple effect. 
And if you can understand anything of what we've talked about, Megan and I today, is that really, that's just it. I, I believe there's a leader in every single one of us. Mm-hmm. There's nobody that's unique from that. I think we are, as human beings, extraordinary, and we really are our leaders. We just are compressed with so much shit, and it's time to release that. I mean, look at the world around you. Whether you're paying too much for gas, or whether you're out there hating the political parties across the board, or you're not making enough money, or your groceries are costing too much, or you can't get Medicare, or whatever the fuck, you know what I mean? It's all because this is not working. Mm-hmm. The more we get real about it, and the more we start to break some of the things we've become accustomed to as we've normalized, I'm telling you, shit changes big time. Yes. I I could not agree more. Shit is not working. It's not. It is not working. No. It's lining the pockets of people who really don't need their pockets lined any more than they already do. And the person, but we have people that are homeless, like you said, struggling with addictions, and people are trying to judge them and say they can't. Oh, I forgot the name of the drug that if you overdose and they find you, the fentanyl. Yes, the ambulance will give it to you. And people are like, "Oh, that shouldn't be right." Cancer patients don't get their uh, chemo for free. I'm like, it's not the same fucking thing. If you die, it, it, the EMT's job is to bring you back to life, however that might be. And I think people just got it so twisted because they don't realize what's going on because they're listening to all these little hate-filled. No, empathy goes a real long fucking way. Mm -hmm. Empathy, look at your life, it ain't perfect, and then look at what you can offer because of that, right? Because of what I've gone through, I have significant empathy. You know what? If I didn't go through all I did, I'd be that pocket lining bitch y'all get irritated with, right? I'd be running up with Michael Kors bags, eating at fine dining restaurants, really not giving a shit about anybody. And now I walk out of my house and I'm smiling at every person I see. You know what I mean? I'm not rich as fuck, but I am doing really well in life. And guess what? I am so happy. So happy. Contrary to what it may sound like, like I'm revved for sure. And things make me mad, but I am lit. I'm lit, girl. I (laughs) is lit. (laughs) I love it. Well, Ravi, thank you so much for coming on the podcast today. This was great. This is so much fun. I totally appreciate it. I knew you and I would have a a real candid conversation and I appreciate shows like this because of that, right? You can't, you can't fluff the shit up. The truth is the truth. And once the more we speak it, the better life just does become. Thank you for being a part of the Inspired Women audience. If you enjoyed this episode, please leave us a rating review. And don't forget to share this out with somebody who could use some inspiration today. Tag us at Inspired Women Podcast, both on Facebook and Instagram. Have a great day.